Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Iron Woman. After 300 episodes, Tammy Bandimir is with us. As part of the third generation of owners and operators at Bandimir Speedway, her family drag racing facility located in the beautiful Colorado foothills, Tammy is following in the footsteps of her grandfather and father as part of the executive team of the unique business that has provided distinctive drag racing entertainment since its inception in 1958. When do we ever meet a person who is working in the drag racing industry? Never. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to share about my family and about this, yes, very unique business, because I think what happens is a lot of people don't understand what drag racing is about mm -hmm. because they're feeling it's street racing, but it's it's on a safe, supervised environment. That's really the reason that my grandparents started it 64 years ago, because they loved young people. They loved the automobile and they loved performance and going fast. They realized that there was a lot of street racing going on because my dad was doing it. <laughs> they were thinking, let's provide a safe place for people, especially young people, to take their need for speed. Originally, our location was supposed to be in the Arvada area. My grandfather had a brother that had some property that was perfect for a racetrack. And the county issued all the, the permits and everything was fine. And then the neighbors decided that they really mm. didn't want to have a racetrack in their backyard. My grandfather said, well, what? let's just let you find me a better place. I'm going to pull all my approvals and you just find me a better place. And we have probably one of the most gorgeous settings on the National Hot Rod National Event Circuit. We sit up against the Hogback Mountain. If you go right over our mountain, Red Rocks Amphitheater is just to the west of us. We are nestled in the foothills and we have a gorgeous view of the valley and of downtown and that kind of thing. Originally, the facility was called the Safety Proving Grounds of America. My grandfather actually sold lifetime memberships to his friends for $25 a piece. <gasps> Up until a couple of years ago, we were still honoring some of those lifetime memberships, but I think most of those have gone away now. My dad always said that he as a young man, 
to have a dad that loved the automobile and loved to go fast, especially in the 50s and the 1950s when the hot rods were out and that kind of thing. He said that was the coolest thing ever because all of his buddies would come out to the racetrack and Mr. Bandemir would teach him how to make their car go faster. And it didn't scare my grandpa. So that was really awesome. But then over the years, we've progressed. We've developed more of the facility. We've done, we did an entire renovation in 1988 and 89. That has put us, brought us up to the the standards that the National mm-hmm. Hot Rod Association, which is our sanctioning body, required of us. And um, we conduct about 130 events during our April through October racing season here at the racetrack. And yes, we are that noisy place on the side of the mountain and we tie up traffic several times a year and we mess with people's sleeping patterns on more than one occasion, <laughs> but <laughs> We are that location where people can take their car off the city streets. Doesn't have to be a special vehicle at all. Whatever you drive, you can take down the quarter mile drag strip here at Vandermeer Speedway. I don't have a car. That's a funny thing. I could take my car. Here in the United States, we have a thing where when we get onto a highway, we have sometimes it's a two lane on ramp. And there's usually a signal light that spaces the cars out as they get onto the highway. Mm -hmm. It's honestly, Suzanne, no different than that. Because what happens is you're sitting at a light, it's red, it turns green. Who's going to be the first person to get onto the highway? That's basically drag racing (laughs) in a nutshell. I mean, I'm not going to let the guy next to me get on first. I'm going to get on first. You're gunning it to get onto the highway. So that's basically drag racing. And we, for years, have conducted a Wednesday night test night, every every Wednesday night, pretty much during our season. And we've partnered with the Colorado State Patrol in the last several years because, yes, I can take my little Toyota CHR and bring it out to the racetrack and race against somebody in a Honda Civic and just to see who's going to win. It, we call it bragging rights. <laughs> we can, on a Wednesday night, it's about $35, $40 to come in, drop your money. Now here's the thing. It's got to go through tech inspections. So it needs to be Ah. a safety vehicle. We need to make sure that if it's not safe to race on the racetrack, then it's probably not safe to drive on the streets. Sometimes people go, Oh, I wondered why my car was doing that. Well, we just figured it out for you. And so anyway, but for the most part, most everybody that has a streetcar passes tech and then they just can make runs all night long and pair up against each other and go on the starting line and the light goes green and take off down to quarter mile drive strip 1320 feet and it's safe there's no cross traffic there's no pedestrians there's no anything that that you're dealing with i know in germany you can go on the highway you can go as fast as you want so basically that's what it is Basically, yes. Except I'm thinking that might be a little dangerous because you're changing lanes and that kind of thing. Where here, you've got a lane and for 1,320 feet from point A to point B, you stay in that lane and then you you get a time slip at the end of the, once you get to the end of the race, you get a time slip. And that's why I say that's kind of your bragging rights. You can take that back to work the next day and say, check it out. Check it out. See how what my car did at the racetrack yesterday. So we get a lot of that. A lot of that. People that buy new cars, they buy new cars and they're like, I just want to see what this thing is going to do in the quarter mile. 
bring it out to the racetrack on a Wednesday night, bring it to Colorado State Patrol, take it to the track test night. We'll tech it in and give you a number and run you down the racetrack. What kind of cars are coming like Porsche or more like the SUVs or everything, everything, because that's the beauty of drag racing is that you don't have to have a special vehicle. You mm. absolutely don't. Whatever you years ago, my grandpa, my grandfather started a high school drag racing program, just kind of as a fluke. He had some kids that wanted to come out and, and race and he's like, sure, bring it on out. Well, it has become something that in the seventies and eighties, oh my goodness, we had for Memorial day and labor day. That's when we ran our high school drag racing program. We would have upwards of 500, 600 cars come out and it was kids that just wanted to come out and, and race and, and they would just have a blast, but we would get, this is no lie. We would get hearses. People would bring hearses out and race them. They'd bring their dad's Porsche. They'd bring their mom's <laughs> station wagon. They'd bring the, everything, absolutely everything because Drag racing is not necessarily about speed. It's more about consistency. So going from point A to point B at the same, the same speed, the same ET every time, that's what wins races. Now, if you're not interested in, in winning a race, mm -hmm. then Wednesday night is perfect for you because that's just simply making, making time runs and just going down and making time runs and, and just collecting your time slips and saying, this is what I did. But once you get into competition, then you have to estimate what, how am I going to, how fast am I going to go from point A to point B? Then is when you start to, then, then the competition comes into play. Uh, so you say Wednesday night is anybody can come and then the competition yep. is that another night or on the weekend yes. or how does that look like? We have honestly about 23 different racing classes here at the racetrack. We race kids as young as five years old in our junior dragster program. And the junior dragster program has been a really amazing program that was started. Oh gosh, probably 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, it was started mm -hmm. on the East coast at a racetrack in Old Bridge Township Raceway Park. And they actually started putting kids in these little junior dragsters that had a little five horsepower Briggs and Stratton engine. We kind of laugh that we, it's like a glorified lawnmower to be really <laughs> honest with you. But, but what we found is that over the years, when you start kids out that young, just like go-karts or mm -hmm. that kind of thing, they don't have a fear for that kind of thing. They don't, they learn etiquette. They learn the etiquette of racing and that kind of thing. There are many racers right now that are in the professional racing categories of the National Hot Rod Association that got their start as a junior drag racer. There's some that did junior drag racing. And like my son, after he aged out at 17, he said, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to do something else. But then there's other kids that that was exactly what they needed to get them focused, to help them get better grades. Because a lot of times parents use that as a tool. Mm -hmm. What if you want to race, here's what you need to do at school. You need to get better grades. We run junior dragsters. I think we have probably 12 events during the summer that are junior dragster races. Mm -hmm. And we have close to a hundred registered junior dragster racers here at the racetrack. And they race as young as five and they race, then they age out at 17. They hardly walk, hardly talk <laughs> at five and they can drive the car already. Yeah. This is, this is just funny. Yes, but that's, you, that's exactly right. 
<laughs> you mentioned something very interesting, and I think that's a, a very important point. It's about leadership. It's about determination. And that's what my podcast is all about. When you can transfer from sports or the motive into school, into learning, into building etiquette, you said. Well, and I think too, that when people, and, and it happens every once in a while, as development gets closer to our facility, because you can't stop growth. So I'm looking across the valley right now, and there's houses that are being built literally right across the street from us. And what people sometimes need to understand is that, yes, like I said, we are that place on the side of the mountain that makes noise. However, my grandparents originally started this as a way to educate people about the automobile and to get people off the city streets and to be responsible and take their need for speed because we all have it mm -hmm. to a safe supervised environment. Over the years, we've really, as a family, focused on that education piece. You're probably aware of this. In the last several years, this whole STEM you know, mm -hmm. initiative has really exploded. The mm -hmm. science, technology, engineering, mathematics. I was just asked last year to join a STEM advisory committee for our, our Jefferson County school system. I, I said, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. to be really honest with you, we've been doing STEM since day one here at Vandermeer Speedway. Now it has a name. Racing is all about science and technology and engineering and mathematics. All four of those play into it. So now all of a sudden, what we do is That's considered cool. educational and we've considered it educational for years. It is. And, and, and again, it, it, it teaches good sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. You know, you lose a race, you don't throw your helmet. You're a good mm -hmm. loser. And it doesn't mean that you're less competitive. It's just that how to balance your emotions, how to handle the wins as well as the losses. And, and it creates a well-rounded child, especially when you start at age five, for Pete's sake. Yeah. So, and they become, they have friends, they become friends. They all then hang out during the off season or hang out during the racing season. It's really a lot of fun. It's a big family for sure. Sounds like, and it's, it's also supporting each other. So it's, it's a little competition and then you learn. And I love when you say it's education, it's etiquette, and you can take that into your regular everyday life. Well, and a lot of people, when they race, if they go out first round, if they lose first round, they don't pack up and go home. They usually stick around and cheer on their friends hmm. because now that they're out doesn't mean that they're necessarily done. They want to hang out here. During the pandemic, the Jefferson County Health Department allowed us to have 175 racers. Now, typically we will have 250 racers when we open the gates. When they knew that we had a limited amount of racers, I'm not kidding you, within minutes, those 175 slots were gone because for most people, this is home. This is their family. This is their friends. After being holed up at home all week long, they wanted to be here. They wanted to be hanging out with everybody. It was very cool. It, it was very encouraging for our family as well to know that we were providing a place that people could come to and feel some normalcy and, and be able to do something that they really enjoy, find some balance in their life. Talking about balance in life, what do you do when you don't work? Well, and, and that's the thing is that 
being part of a family business, we don't necessarily have job descriptions because, you know, there's a lot of times that we do whatever needs to be done. Me personally, I really enjoy community relations and being out and sharing our story, just like I am on this podcast with Mm -hmm. people who go, hmm, Vandermeer Speedway, wonder what that's all about. Well, who better to tell the story than the granddaughter of the founders? And so I, I have the opportunity to to go to different venues and to share our story with people. I just got back from a fundraising dinner in Billings, Montana, and that was really fun. And I've got a Rotary Club next month that I'm going to speak to. But I think a lot of people, even after 64 years, they don't really know exactly who we are mm-hmm. and how we started. Mm-hmm. So to be able to share that story with people... But I love to travel too. And being, I'm a single person, I've been divorced for, you know, 13 years or so. Being a single person, I have that flexibility, unlike other members in my family who are still married and have families and that kind of thing. It's not that I don't have responsibility, but I'm just a little more flexible. Mm -hmm. And I just absolutely love being able to pack up a suitcase and take off for a weekend and, and go and rub shoulders with people and talk and share our story. Tell us about that REIT program. Thank you for asking. Let's go back. Jefferson County in this area in the valley, when we first moved here, we were pretty much the only thing here. There was a dirt road, Rooney Road that's right outside was a dirt road. And all of our racers went down a dirt road to get to our facility. Well, over the years, the state had said they were going to build a highway. They would come out, they would survey, they would pound in stakes with little flags and, oh boy, they're going to get real serious about this. And three, four months later, all the stakes had blown away. Everything was, and so we were like, we literally band-aided our facility for many years because we just didn't know if we should invest money in it because we weren't sure how, where this highway was going to go. Finally, in 87, 1987, they decided we're serious. We need a highway. We're going to build it. So they came out, they actually condemned some of our property to the north, gave us some property to the south, kind of reconfigured us a little bit. But we decided as a family that we were going to stay in the racing business, that we weren't going to let it shut us out. We just had a feeling that we weren't done yet. And so we decided we're going to invest some money. In order to change some of our, a little bit of our zoning, a little bit of our, you know, stuff, my dad had to meet with some homeowners groups. And it was frustrating for him because, like I said, people didn't really understand what it was that we did. They just thought that we attracted the unsavory people out Mm -hmm. here. We were crazy people and there was a lot of drinking and a lot of racing and a lot of stuff. My daughter started kindergarten at Rooney Ranch Elementary School, which is literally the closest school to us here Mm -hmm. at the, at the racetrack. I had, of course, it's my oldest, my oldest child. And so I'd never done elementary school before. And They had sent home a thing saying that they were trying to build the library up and they were looking for people to make donations so that they could buy books for the library. I took a check from the racetrack and I went over to the school and I said, I want you to buy some books on cars and automotive books for that's going to be our donation. And so the librarian, she said to me, she goes, I don't know if you're aware of this, but elementary schools typically do a reading program every year once the kids come back after after their Christmas break. And because you're so close and we're a brand new school, what about if we partner together and let's let's do a reading program where the oh. kids put our tickets to the races? And I go, I'm totally up 
Uh, let's do it. Yeah. We called it Race to Read. We did it and we had a blast. The kids had a blast. And and it really, it really gave us a good foothold in the community. And because Rooney Ranch Elementary School had about 550 kids at that school, that impacted a lot of families that mm. were literally right across the valley. We got done with that program in 1996. And I was like, no, because now three more schools had said, we want to do race to read at our school. To make a long story short, 2022 is our 26th year for this program. Mm -hmm. And we have had over a quarter million kids involved in race to mm -hmm. read. We've had the program in over 250 Colorado schools. What it does is we don't tell the kids what to read. They don't even have to participate if they don't want, because it is an at-home reading program. Mm -hmm. It gets the parents involved. But we found that typically girls are readers. Girls mm -hmm. will curl up with a book. But boys, they have a lot of other things going on in their life. They have sports, and they have this, and they have that, and they have this. And to get them to, to settle down and to, to read is a little more difficult. But you put a race theme with it. You give them the opportunity to earn tickets to the races. And they claim that it takes three weeks to, to develop a habit. Well, our reading program is six weeks. Mm. So that gives them plenty enough time to, to get interested and to get into, into a routine with reading. And we found that the boys are starting to, to get enjoy reading better. They'll get involved in chapter books. They'll get involved in a series and then they're hooked. Then mm. they're hooked. And again, like I say, we don't tell them that there's a certain level of literature that you have to read. They just have to read. When everything fell apart in 2020, that year, the program didn't even happen because most of the kids didn't go back to school after spring mm -hmm. break. And it was just very difficult. We had 71 schools that were signed up that year for Race to Read, which equates to about 36,000 kids. Mm -hmm. And so we just, we pulled it. It was too difficult for the schools to do it. But 2021, I put together a bingo sheet with different activities because reading is not all about opening a book. It mm -hmm. can be about writing. It can be about doing activities, word searches. I mean, anything that involves your brain and, and having to, to pay attention and read through instructions or that kind of thing. So I put together a bingo sheet. The feedback was amazing from the schools because they weren't required to do near as much work. And schools were still in 2021 mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to navigate the whole learning situation. Pot, you know, process yeah. and we're still doing online learning. So Race to Read just kicked off yesterday. We've got it in 39 schools this year. Mm -hmm. And it's a bingo sheet. It's again, it's a bingo sheet. They need to, to create a bingo and then they send it to me and I will send them tickets to our Night of Fire and Thunder, which is May 21st. They get a ticket for themselves mm -hmm. and an adult, which is typically about a $50 plus value parents are like, you're going to read so we can go to this race. It's been a really great way mm -hmm. for us to be involved in the community. We are well into our second generation of this program. And we're, we're pretty much knocking at the door of the third generation of this program. It's been really a fun thing to do for us. Going to Billings this last weekend or weekend before last, there's a gentleman in Billings, Montana that picked up on our program and wanted to do a reading program in Billings. And so 
he calls it read win race and and but he uses basically our materials he just changes them to and he's connected with a racetrack there in Billings they get tickets to the races again it was just it was so heartwarming to see that the program works in Colorado but it can work anywhere because it's just it's something that you provide and if they take advantage of it great so it's awesome that's the only word we can use awesome well congratulations <laughs> yeah. I was on the board of the Jefferson County Library Foundation for almost 20 years. And then I was the chair of their board for almost 12. And when all these tablets and all this thing came out where people could download books, we all were thinking, ooh, wonder how that's going to affect people physically walking into libraries and wanting to pick up books. But People still like books. They still like that tactile, you know, feeling mm -hmm. of opening mm -hmm. a book and there's a smell. There's a, yeah. there's just something about a book. Mm -hmm. Truthfully, I mean, behind me, I've got a whole shelf of books and I've got books down here and we have a little free library here at the racetrack that is outside our gate B and I'm constantly filling it or arranging it or that kind of mm -hmm. thing because I've got a shelf for children and a shelf for adults. And especially during our racing season, it gets a lot of a lot of movement in the little free mm -hmm. library because people are coming to the racetrack all the time and they're like, oh, I'm going to take a few books and drop them off at the little free library. Or my kids are tired of reading everything we've got at home. Let's go see what's in the little free library. So we're registered with the little free library organization. And so we've got a spot on their map and, but it's, it's just another way to, to give back to the community mm -hmm. and free books. And I, I kind of thought, because we still are a little ways out here. One of my nephews who put it together for me, he said, you think we're going to get vandalized a lot? And I go, I don't think so. And we've never The only thing that's gotten vandal that was vandalism was the wind. The wind got blew the door funky on it. So <laughs> Dale had to fix it for me. But but we've never had anybody vandalize the little free library. And we've had it for five years. And it's just another thing that people see and they're like, books. Huh. Okay. Racing and reading. Well, I think it's interesting because we do a field trip day out here at the racetrack every year. There's so many groups that are like, oh, our kids would love to come out to the racetrack. Can we come out on a Tuesday afternoon? And I'm like, are you serious? There's nothing going on on a Tuesday afternoon. You bring, you bring a group of 20 kids out here and you go, there's the racetrack. There's the tower. There's the concession stands. And when we're racing, this is what it looks like. And they go, uh-huh, sure. Thank you very much. You have to bring them out when something is happening, when something is going mm -hmm. on. About five years ago, I said, let's pick one day in the middle of the summer that all these groups, if they want to come out, they can bring their group out for free. Their kids can experience the racing. And, and I have a couple of racers that let them come over to their pit area. They explain their race car to them. They explain to them how they got involved in racing mm -hmm. and they sign autographs for them and that kind of thing. So I think that it's just a matter of getting connected there there's racetracks all across the country and admittedly enough not a lot of them are as community minded as we are and a lot of them aren't run 
as a full-time business like our racetrack is. We're we're a little unique. Even some of the even some of the national event tracks that I go to across the country, they're not they don't run as a full-time business. They they walk in on a Friday afternoon and sweep off the racetrack and fire up the timing system and run races and then Sunday afternoon they're done. They everybody goes back to their regular jobs and Next Friday, they roll back in and start things up again. We're very unique. Our offices are open Monday through Friday, 830 to 430. We sell fuel. We sell souvenirs. We we use every piece of income that we can possibly do because when the day is over, it's our name that's on this facility mm-hmm. and it's us that needs to make sure that the bills get paid. So we're always looking at all kinds of different ways to do that. But I think that seriously, just being able to go to a racetrack and have the opportunity mm-hmm. to connect and let people know that, again, it's educational. If people mm-hmm. can get their mind wrapped around that, that it's not just the, the speed and that kind of thing, but it still is that. Thank you so much for educating me and all <laughs> my listeners. This is unique. Thank you so much, Tammy, and good luck. Or what do you say in? <laughs> oh, it, well, let's see here. What do we say? Keep it, say? keep it between the lines. <laughs> keep it between so, the lines. Thank you, Suzanne. What a conversation. What are you taking away? I learned so much. It's about racing. It's about reading. You can get involved. May 21st is a big day. Take it from the Iron Woman. We have episodes every Monday. Take advantage of getting to know interesting people, people who have a great story. Thank you so much for your support. And you can find us on any platform where there are podcasts to be found. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.